0: Welcome to the Pay Matters Podcast, a podcast about the art and science of employee compensation. Each week, we deliver the best information and analysis about compensation trends. Now, here's your host, David Weaver. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Pay Matters Podcast. I'm your host, David Weaver, president of the Compensation and HR Group and author of the book, Pay Matters. I'd like to welcome our guest, Angela Shaw. She's a senior HR leader, adjunct professor, and public speaker. Angela, it's so nice to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me um, on the show. It really means a lot to me. I think that every person has power to shine light on others. And so thank you for using your platform to do that. So I love HR. I've loved HR forever. And because of that love, I've been lucky enough to stumble onto other things uh, that I've been able to do. So other than practicing HR, I also teach HR as an adjunct professor, and I like to get early in their career HR people to introduce them to good HR. I'm also a volunteer leader, so I volunteer in my local HR SHRM organization and just have had so much I've gotten so much joy in all kinds of things from being able to do that. And then as a public speaker, using this platform to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I think we can all agree we need as many conversations about it as we can have. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Very good. Well, that sounds, sounds great. Thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate that. Now I have some questions for you. Um, the first one is, Can you let us know what HR trends you're seeing so far this year?
1: Sure. So I think any other year it would be different. (laughs) But when we talk about (laughs) what's been going on this last year and important to talk about the things, right? So the pandemic with COVID-19 and how it's affecting employees in all different kinds of ways. When we talk about social injustice and all the things that have happened surrounding that and the wokeness that we now see in organizations, performative or not. And then when we consider... um, kind of the weird winter that we've had. So I live in Texas, and we had a freak snowstorm here in February. And it was horrible and affected employees, you know, so when we think about all of those things, I do think it makes this year a little different. And what I would say has been to me, the most important part is being flexible in how we take care of our employees. So Leadership and organizations recognizing that there are humans on the other side of getting work done in our organization and what are the ways in which we're taking care of them given all of the different outside factors that we have to consider. So things like remote work and even what that looks like once the world opens up more or continues to open or more people are vaccinated and how we're flexible with that, how we were flexible throughout the year of someone also being a teacher to their child or a caregiver to a parent, Um, just that flexibility. So anything from more paid time off to having a flexible schedule um, to doing this remote work, I think another trend is the focus on mental health. Mm -hmm. So it, it, you know, we'd be remiss in not saying how uh huge the emotional load has been for people going through all of these different things. And so really being able to focus on that and how the organization supports it. So whether it's adding extra resources for their employees, giving space to even talk about the different things that are going on, these are all ways in which you can support mental health of your employees. I think also a trend is training employees on how to do their jobs differently. Mm-hmm. So as we consider video meetings as opposed to in-person, um, as we consider team building, engagement, you know, how are we training our employees to be a part of this now, the future of work that we used to talk about all the time before? I mean, it's it's now. Um, and I would say for HR professionals, the trend is how are you a voice for your employees considering everything that's happened this year?
0: Yes, totally agree yeah it's so interesting how the the pandemic forced us all to pivot and it completely transformed work and it I know from for a lot of my clients you know they didn't believe in work from home and now you know because they didn't really have a trust um, you know for employees to be productive and get their jobs done from home and that has completely changed. So, yeah, talk a little bit about that. You know, you know, how, how have you seen the whole transformation of work? Yes,
1: yeah, so I think there are still those organizations out there that are not going to be believers. So I think with anything, any type of transfer transformation that happens with work, there are always non-believers. Mm-hmm. There are people who get with the program and there are people who are somewhere in the middle Um, But something that I think we haven't been prepared for that has been, you know, there are a lot of articles on this, but the numbers of employees who are going to leave their jobs Mm -hmm. based on the companies not being able to transform into these new ways of working and doing business. So not having a remote mentality or not considering hybrid or just saying that on this date everybody's coming back to work mm-hmm. not making employees feel safe we're actually still in a pandemic <laughs> there yes. are still there are still people getting covid-19 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it didn't just go away and we have to continue to consider that for me as an hr professional my number one priority for employees was always how do we make them feel safe and so yes. if an employer is not willing to be flexible in that or have that conversation, I think that they're going to suffer because of it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and actually, you know, we are seeing turnover rise. Um, it's, it's become an employee market and employees are voting with their feet and they're, they're leaving. They and, are. And, and, you know, recruiters are telling me that, um, uh, you know, when they're talking to candidates, one of the first questions is, is this job remote or is it flexible or is it partially or is it hybrid? And, and that has a big part of the decision making on whether that candidate will go to work for that company. Um, so I think, you know, again, the other thing that I'm hearing, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, is, you know, there are a lot of organizations that are surveying their employees and asking them what they would like to do. And that's a complete turnaround from, from my perspective, because it's, it's, we don't usually ask people what they want to do. We usually tell them what we want them to do. So how do you react to that, that, that we're asking people?
1: I mean, I think that's great. I think giving your employees a voice is what you should do. And I think there should be feedback on the decision. Um, So it doesn't mean that employees are going to always get everything that they want. Mm -hmm. We recognize that there are still business needs, right? (laughs) Business still has to go on. So we understand that part, but I think it is the opening up the conversation and then having feedback on what they're receiving. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can't do this, but this is what we're going to do instead. And these are the reasons why we chose it. So I think that open dialogue, the intentional inclusiveness in conversations. So like you said it's not just the hey everybody this is what we're doing.
0: <laughs> right? It
1: is the hey everybody we heard what you said and this is what we're doing and this is why.
0: And and I think part of this is a business need to be more open and and include people and get their opinions because if if you're not going to operate that way your turnover is even going to be higher. So you really don't have a lot of choice and, and I don't think employers have fully realized that, you know, they, they could lose a significant portion of their, of their employee workforce and, and lose a lot of people that they just cannot afford to let go. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, it's an interesting time and we're seeing that too, from a compensation perspective, um, you know, there's, there's bidding wars, there's hiring bonuses, there's counter offers, you know, there, there are things that we haven't seen in a while and people are just kind of pulling out that old toolbox and using some of those, uh, you know, those tools to retain people.
1: And we haven't seen it in a while or to this magnitude.
0: That's right. You're right. Yeah. So another question is what, what advancements are you seeing in the DEI initiatives?
1: Well, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like a lot of people, what they would say is it's not necessarily action-oriented advancements that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it's not so much action, but I think what I have seen that is positive is at least more conversation. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity to talk about some of the unjust things that happen or are happening in real time. Um, So I think that the action part sometimes gets stuck in the weeds because we still have so many people having breakthroughs or being introduced to the need for the DEI initiatives. Mm-hmm. There's this huge still awakening right now of, um, even underrepresented people having different experiences and recognizing another underrepresented person's different experience, Or obviously a white person not having to have gone through some of the things that an underrepresented person has and it just being such a a big awakening for them. Mm -hmm. And so because we have to have this education piece and this piece of people coming around to recognize the disparity and to acknowledge it, that sometimes the action part, I feel like, is getting caught up in the weeds of it, right? Because we're so busy trying to pick the weeds that we just leave that part there, I had an interesting discussion actually earlier this week around doing DEI work and how the leaders who are woke, like the ones who want to put for change and transform their organizations that they sometimes get stuck because they're thinking about how their stakeholders are going to feel and how, um, for instance, white men who have been, Always centered. It's always been about white men. They feel uncomfortable with all of this talk about anti racist or white supremacy or or social justice talk, and it makes them really uncomfortable. Well, Mm -hmm. how do we continue to push forward the work through their uncomfort? So it's not that they don't matter, they do. But we definitely want to find ways that everybody can work together to still have this advancement that we need. And I think it starts with the acknowledgement of disparity. Mm -hmm. It starts with the acknowledgement of um, all paths are not equal and the level field is not equal. We have to acknowledge that and then not be afraid of these words like anti-racist or white supremacy or social justice, you know, in order to get to the real action.
0: Yeah. You make a really good point because if I look at my client base, they're doing a lot of training and they're doing a lot of awareness, but they're not taking action that, you know, that is the action. And that's just really the tip of the iceberg. And I think you're making a really good point. They've got to dig way deeper than that and start taking some positive actions. So I really, I appreciate that comment. That's, that's excellent. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, another question for you. you, you know, it it just, you know, I follow you on LinkedIn and I see all your posts and I, I can see that you're kind of changing course in your career. Um, can you speak to your kind of reinvention of yourself?
1: Yes, which is really an exciting time for me. So I think, you know, the change for me is centered on, I'm changing the way I think about success and I'm changing the way I think about how I'm approaching or continuing my career. So I still love HR. That is my first love. I will always be a practitioner of good HR. So like that hasn't changed. But I think this reinvention is going forward. How do I define my own success? Um, looking for what I want coming into the door if I decide to go back into another organization and really taking a stand for that and being comfortable with saying no to an opportunity if it doesn't serve me. I want to expand opportunity for myself. And as I make that decision to stand for myself, I personally have to um, fight against any regret or shame or Some of these other things that you feel as an individual when you make decisions that are against the norm, Mm -hmm. you know, so like the American dream is I work hard. I do what the organization tells me to do. I'm happy with what they give me, but that is not working for me. And so this opportunity that I have to reinvent in that. I want to go in on my own terms. And if I cannot, I'm going to find another path. So that's what the reinvention is for me. It's being able to live every day in peace and purpose. My Mm -hmm. purpose that I decide and feeling at peace with the decision.
0: Well, and that's having, you know, independence and being able to have flexibility and to feel comfortable with your work situation and, and finding that. Is so so difficult. I've got so many of my HR colleagues that are, you know, they've been looking. They're looking for really that that perfect role. It can be elusive, and 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 it can be a grind, right? I mean, it's yeah. uh, you can jump through a lot of hoops, and and that in itself, you know, the whole interviewing process and going through seven or eight rounds of interviews, and you know, it really makes you think. Is this a place that I want to work that's putting candidates through, um, you know, this kind of um, issue?
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think for me personally, it's less of the process and more of like what it's like once you get in the door Mm -hmm. and like the acceptance of situations that are not what you thought they were going to be, what you were told they were going to be, or even situations that serve you. And so just being able to say, or have more, I guess, just power to say, this is not what I want. I also think, you know, you mentioned, you follow me on LinkedIn. I mm-hmm. recently made these posts about leaving my job and just doing different things. It was not without a parachute. <laughs> so yes, I left my job, but I also need to be able to pay mortgage and eat every day and and these kinds of things too. So just, you know, over the years doing some preparation, not because I thought it was coming, but because I'm just the kind of person who always wants to have a financial safety net and be able to pay mortgage. And so there were these things that I've been doing over the years, like having a couple of other side hustle streams of income and, you know, choices that I make to be able to walk away from something if it doesn't serve me. I think the other point I'd like to make about the career reinvention or even my ability to walk away from a job, whatever happened in other organizations, good or bad, right or wrong, I leave those things behind also. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to concentrate on... That I'm gonna concentrate on me and, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It it's amicable leaving, it's amicable walking away. Um, but I think choosing yourself, I feel like you can't go wrong with that.
0: Yeah, I agree. So so I have a question for you. What what would be your ideal role?
1: Yeah, so you mentioned like People looking for a perfect role. I don't think there's a perfect role. But what I would say is it's how I feel inside of the organization doing the role. I think for me, that is what I'm really looking towards. So, number one on my list is always going to be equity and pay. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, vers- be both internal and external. So, if I go into an organization, I'm going to expect that my pay is equal on par with peers in my position. Um, so I think that's the first thing for me that doesn't always happen and not just to me, but like just in general, I think the second thing for me is that the organization has to, um, just accept me as an individual. Mm -hmm. So it is giving value to me being a subject matter expert because I am that. And so the respect of that, right, in the position and the kind of decisions that I should be making and that it is the same as anybody else who has their subject matter expertise area, that respect part of it and accepting, even if you haven't worked with a Black woman before, even if you aren't sure what to do with my communication style, Mm -hmm. uh, that that's still accepted. Like, that's the cultural ad piece, right? So that's the second part for me is just being able to be the individual that I am Encompassing all those things, and that that is accepted and okay in the package that I present, because I still work hard, I'm still good at my job, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, and I should be accepted because of that. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the third thing is just the company's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So you, I recognize you have to meet anybody, including an organization, where they are in the journey, but you have to be on the journey. So us not talking about it ever or bringing it up or not having anything to do with trying to make sure that we are a diverse, inclusive and equitable organization. It's just not It will, it's not going to work for me. So I think those are the three, you know, top things for me that would make it an opportunity that I would want to fight for and that I'd want to be inside fighting with the other people in the organization.
0: Yeah, no, I really appreciate that perspective. And, and just, I'm just curious from a, from a HR functional discipline kind of standpoint, what, what are your favorite functions? I mean, you know, the recruiting and compensation and benefits and employer relations and DEI and there's training and development. I mean, what, what are the things that you really enjoy doing?
1: I think as hard as hard as it is to do, I actually think employee relations is something that not only I'm good at, but also where I see the most breakthrough. Yes. So for me, employee relations is not just you have an employee Doing bad things it it's everything the performance management process. it's how you develop employees. It's the relationships between the employees and the supervisors. I think it encompasses all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I can see like a if there's an individual a relationship like a specific relationship between an employee and a supervisor that h r has to get involved in, and you see good results from your involvement in that situation Mm -hmm. like to me that's one of the best things I could ever be a part of um so I, I think relationships are the start to anything in an organization and that's how you communicate with each other how you listen to each other and so being able to be a part of that for an organization Feels really huge. Sometimes it's thankless. People don't really recognize that part, right. but it's so important. And when it is done well, I feel like you can see, hear, and feel the effects of that.
0: No question. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. And you mentioned performance management. And I, I do want to ask you a little bit about that because, you know, we're seeing over the past several years, we've seen this trend to toward more frequent feedback versus you know the once a year event. Um, talk a little bit about that. What's what's your philosophy around uh, performance management?
1: So I, I am a pomp and circumstance kind of person. So I believe in having some formality to things. So I love a annual performance evaluation, but I think that you couple that with the regular. Um, chats that happen throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So something that I always talk to hiring managers about and that I also do as a leader is one-on-one conversations with your staff and then also team meetings. And you can decide the cadence of what that looks like for you, but it should be on some sort of a regular basis. And in those meetings, that's when you're talking about all of the different kinds of performance things so that when you get to this formal once a year, or I've also seen it done twice a year, they're not surprises. Or if someone's not performing well, that you're able to pinpoint what resources they need and document what you've done to try to fix it because not every employee can be saved, Mm -hmm. but, but what should always be there is the effort to save them. So Um, I think that it requires regular conversations to be able to do that. But I do also love a formal because by the time you get to the formal, I think whatever the end result is, it should already be expected because we've had all these conversations going along.
0: That's right. Well, you know, I, you and I are in the same wavelength on this because so many of, of my clients decided to kind of throw away the once a year event and go to more frequent feedback, maybe quarterly, monthly, and, and didn't do the compilation at the end. And, and that really actually caused issues because when they went back to look at things like, you know, pay equity and, you know, bonus plan distribution and, and merit distribution, they, they really didn't have anything uh, that was performance based. And, you know, most organizations, 90% of organizations say that they're pay for performance. Well, you can't measure that unless you're measuring the performance. So I, I really agree with what you're saying now. That's, that's excellent. Okay, good. Well, that was, that was my last question. So I do want to say to you, it was, uh, you know, it was really a pleasure having you on. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out?
1: I am all over LinkedIn. So if you just do a search for Angela L. Shaw, I should definitely come up. Um, And I love to interact with people. So I'd appreciate the reach out.
0: Yes. And I would ha- just have to say that please follow Angela because every post is an adventure. <laughs> 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 well, thank you for saying
1: that. Yeah, it really is.
0: I mean, you did you did what a post every single day. Was it last week? I you, did. Yeah, and that was that was incredible. And they were they were good sized posts. I mean, I read every one of them, so it was it was really eye opening. So I really appreciate that you're out there. You're giving of yourself. You're open and and you're talking about things that matter to you and actually they resonate with all of us that are in hr so i really appreciate that so angela it was such a pleasure talking with you thank you so much for your time
1: thank you for having me
0: thanks for joining us this week on pay matters make sure to visit our website paymattersbook.com where you can check out our best-selling book Pay Matters, The Art and Science of Employee Compensation. Available for purchase on the website and now on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. David Weaver is available for compensation consulting, training programs, and speaking engagements. Thanks for listening.